Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith following a bye week, Dusty. I guess we could call this midseason. I'm going to assume the win against UMass. Call this the halfway point. It's fair. It fair. Yeah, I think that. I think that's fair. I saw the point spread came out, but I didn't see what it what it was yet. But it's okay. more or less. It's more or less uh, just a, a, a matter of tidying things up. It it is. By the way, I did see catch the spread. Go ahead, guess the what, number. What do I think it is? Uh, Thirty seven. How about 42 and a half? Woo, that's a biggie. They just gave up a lot of points to somebody though. Again, I'm we're we're speaking about this early enough in the week that I that that's about all I know. It's like, "Hey, they they did something bad, that's for sure." But I'll well, I'll, I'll shape it up here as we get along. <laughs> well, I, after Penn State has beat the spread every game, it's like they are trying so hard to get me off the train, Dusty. And I think some points is the way to do it. But at this point, don't you just ride the train until the train derails? You know what I mean? Like let's 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 if if I were betting on Penn State covering, uh, you know, it, it looked like a good bet, honestly. Five out of five times, hasn't it? I mean, I, I know yes. there 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 needed to be some interesting occurrences. Uh, the late the late uh, nature of the scoring at Northwestern and uh, the late touchdown against West Virginia. But the point is, they've done it. And Dustin, this was not on our agenda. However. But here we are. Here we are. Here, yeah. Here we are. And and I think the art part of the argument for it is James Franklin plays the full sixty minutes. You yeah. know, he's not going to stop playing at the end. So that's been helpful in at least two games. And as long yeah. as we're going down this path, did you see the NCAA came out and made a statement on the? Um, Bo Perbola take fake. No, no, I, I, I've been kind of away from the world of college football and just coming back to it today. So I did not. Um, they said a penalty should have been called. Wow. I, I still think it's ridiculous. I, I, I don't understand how they're so adamant about it. Well, I, I, the, the, the only, the only thing I will accept about this is if someone from Penn state, whether it's Bo or James Franklin says, yeah, he was faking a knee. Until I hear from the source directly, I, I don't think the, these rules, people, I don't see what they're seeing. Well, here, here's the thing, Dusty. From while watching the game, when I saw him do it, my first thought was, he's taking a knee? Uh-oh. Why is he doing that so early? And But I think with this, I should clarify, give a little context to me saying the NCAA. It's not like an official, like a paper came out announcing that. It was apparently there's, they have an official who comes out, and I don't know if he does it every week, but he looks at controversial calls from the week before and clarifies. Mm -hmm. So he was, it was amongst other calls. Like there was another play, and I can't remember what game it was, although I did see it where the quarterback looked like he went past the line of scrimmage, then came back and threw the ball. And he pointed out that, no, the quarterback was not over the line of scrimmage completely. Right. That's the thing. You can't do that. You can't go over and come back. 
Right, but that that's incredible. always the thing that that trips a lot of people up is that the whole body has to be over the line of scrimmage. Right, and that's kind of unusual. You would think it would be where the ball is when it's released. So there was a series of them, and it almost felt like it was when they put up the play with Prabula that it was just like going if you fake going to the knee, it should have been called. So it was almost like he didn't even go into the context of it or anything else. It was just, yeah, the rule is. All right. You know, and so he did say it should have been called. He didn't get into any of the context of they weren't in victory formation. You know, the offensive line was pooling or, you know, everything else that was going on. It's kind of like intentional grounding. You know, what was the intent? of the play. So I think it's one of those where even if I in watching it want to say I'm like 60, 40, maybe 70, 30 that he faked taking a knee. I think you've got to be a hundred percent. Like that was entirely the intent of the call. Right. It it was, it was spoken as fact. And I don't think that that's a, that's a fact. Um, The only person who knows it's a fact or people are, are Bo and and some of the people who called the play. I don't see why he would fake a knee in that situation in the first place, but you know, the, these, these rules guys, they have, they have their, their thought on it. That's for sure. It almost looked like, and I saw a little bit different angle of it where it looked like it was almost one of those exaggerated fakes stepping forward, you know, which made it look like he was taking a knee. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if he were actually running, it wouldn't look like that. But I think it was like over, uh, he overplayed it or overacted yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair way to describe it. So anyway, now that we've gone off course for way, this, way uh, afield, yeah. You want to get back to our agenda, Dusty? Yeah, the agenda, basically, if you don't mind me, just, just kind of giving a synopsis now that we have uh, the show hopefully getting on track, but just looking at, you know, where how we got to where we are to 5-0, and uh, what's left to prove, um, you know, I, I kind of broke down uh, the strengths I think each each unit has and, and the things that they still need to prove or fix. Just a mid-season assessment per your intro where we just chalked up the, the UMass win. <laughs> yes, we, we are going to assume that one. So let, let's start on the offensive side of the ball, Dusty. And I have your notes in front of me. Share with us, what do you think have been the strengths so far? And by the way, I'm going to disagree with you on a couple of your items. Okay, that, that, that's good. I, I don't think we'd have a show if you didn't find a way to get that done. But uh, the first thing I have is just, um, you know, the strength of Drew Aller. He's He's gaining experience and he's learning and he's going through you know, some of the ups and downs that are inevitable for a quarterback. And he's going through that stuff now. I don't think we've seen perfect play from him. We didn't see a real sharp version of him on the road last time we we saw him, but we saw him execute really at a high level against Iowa. We saw him execute at a really high level, I felt like, against West Virginia. I mean, what he's flashing is ability to be an impact quarterback. And probably sooner than later, but I think just the 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 uh, peaks and valleys along the way, you know, you got to assume those for a young quarterback. I don't know if anybody really assumed um, we'd see some of the the pluses and minuses so far. Uh, and maybe this is one you want to disagree, but like the run game can't be worse than what it's been, right? Like it can't be less productive moving forward. So it has to take a step in the right direction, right? 
How do you paint that as a positive, Dusty? They've been bad, so they have to get better. That's yeah, positive. that's a positive. Heck yeah, that's a positive. They're due. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, that is positive spin. We often talk, are you glass half full or glass half empty? Dusty, that is the ultimate glass half full. Oh yeah, I took another glass and I made I made the glass a hundred percent full. Uh, so yeah, but I mean they're they're five and zero oh, and they they've just they they've had some success. Uh, obviously, we know you know the lack of explosive plays and all that. We'll get into all that, but uh, the run game just it, there's too many good pieces involved for them to continue sputtering along. And maybe it's a ma- matter of expanding the playbook a little bit. Maybe they're holding some things back. I'm not sure. Um, the 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 it was a very underwhelming performance. Let's put it that way at Northwestern when you have expectations to to gash that team. And it was the same thing against Illinois too. Like you had expectations to gash that team on the ground, and it didn't happen. So I think it's got to get better. Um, I would say the same thing. I think I put it hand in hand with the offensive line blocking in the run game. Uh, I think the tight ends have room to grow, but they've done some good things. And, you know, how about this for a little bit of a a twinkle in the, in the, uh, the pursuit of finding top flight wide receivers? You know, we haven't seen the offense with Harrison Wallace, the third very much. Uh, may, maybe he's a better player than we realize, and and that him him not being around uh, has been part of the the reason they've struggled a little bit. That's I, I acknowledge the there's a story arc where where Trey Wallace is like not a savior or anything, but you need him more than you realized. I'll tell you what, Dusty. What I find fascinating is all of your positives are are most of them. The, <laughs> the run game has nowhere to go but up. <laughs> The same can be said for the O-line. Sure, the tight ends are terrific, but they can make a bigger impact. Yep. And Trey Wallace has been out, you know, for weeks, and he could be the missing ingredient. So they've missed him for the last several ingredients. So it looks to me like four out of your five positives are really negative. Are vaguely disguised negatives. I mean, what what would you say the 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 true blue like not not spinning things around the way that I did? Like what would you say the true blue strengths are? Like Olu Fashanu, like I think what I said about Drew Aller, the fact that he's performed better, you know, more good than bad so far, but the running backs have been un- underwhelming. The offensive line blocking the run game's been underwhelming. The, obviously the wide receivers have been a bit underwhelming. Well, okay, that's under the negative side. On the positive <laughs> side, and again, going with Drew Aller, I think his uh, lack of mistakes, putting the ball, remember the whole program is riding on the ball, James Franklin has told us. Drew Aller has taken care of it. I think also the times that this team has shown that they could have a 12-play, a 13-play, a 15-play drive that's not easy to do at the college level to march the ball down the field the way they have. I think Keandre Lambert Smith ha- has been very much a positive. I think Tyler Warren ha- has been a positive. And yes, the running backs can be better, but I think we've also seen it was on a kickoff that Nick Singleton dropped the ball. They haven't fumbled the ball from scrimmage. They've also had very few negative runs, which has been really the issue that we saw two years ago and we're so concerned about. So that's what I'll put as the positive about the running game. And I think that's a real thing and a real issue. Trust me, we saw that, you know, uh, two years ago. 
Um, so I think those things are the positives. I think now we need to hit those areas to improve. And we can put a positive spin when we start quarter two, Dusty, when talking about that. Yeah, I mean, I uh, and I agree about the, the 12, 13, 14, 15 play drives. Um, and I think Drew Aller, the version of him that played against Iowa at home and was confident and was delivering the ball on time with accuracy. And that can make that that type of offense work. Uh, you need him to be sharper and better than he was at Northwestern. That was a big difference between those two games. And he still scored 41 against Northwestern. So um, there's always some good and some bad. I think we'll touch on a bit more of that in quarter number two. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll talk about what the those areas to fix, those areas in, to improve. So we will definitely get to that in quarter number two. Dusty, don't get old, old because I had another positive in my head and I it escaped me. I forgot it. So hopefully as we regroup for quarter two, I'll remember. Stay tuned. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. We are doing that halfway point or almost halfway point of the season, doing our look ahead. First, we're kind of looking back. Dustin made a feeble, a feeble attempt at the strength so far of the offense in quarter number one. He just threw out every negative he could think of and said, oh, it's got to get better and made that into a positive. Let's do the other side to this, Dusty. Let's take a look at areas that they could improve on offense as far as what I had forgot to bring up for quarter one, I still have still forgot. I still forgot. I can't remember it. Uh, money is on me remembering either late in the fourth quarter or as soon as we sign off. Yeah, so, I'm looking anyway. forward to it. You're going to you're going to text it to me at that point. It's going to be in the middle of the night. You're going to be woken up to it. 
Aha, there it is. Yeah. All right, Dusty, let, let's get back to this offense. Let's talk about those areas to fix and improve, which in some ways will be a repeat of what we talked about in quarter number one. <laughs> yeah, I, said, I set it up that way, didn't I? Um, you did. So the the reference is the, the run game has nowhere to go but up. Um, what that was one of the premises there, but Jim's take on it, which I, uh, I still kind of support, uh, that notion is that they're, they're getting positive yards, uh, far more often than not. Uh, so maybe they're, they're, they're aiming small and they're missing small on, on the run game front. And I think that's part of the areas to, to fix is to, you know, peel back more layers of that playbook or whatever the case might be. Um, to, to jumpstart that, that running game. Like, I don't know, I don't have their stats in front of me, but the number of touches that, um, that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have absorbed through five weeks without breaking a big one is kind of hard to believe, especially Nick Singleton, who was, you know, almost automatic for a, a big play on the ground last season. So I don't know. I mean, I think this bye week is spent trying to figure out how to unlock more of that. And I think the, the run blocking could have been better, certainly at, at Northwestern. Uh, there were there were guys in every lane. Uh, it seemed like at Northwestern, and there just wasn't much room to go. And that that defense had struggled. So, um, so I think just the whole synergy of of the run game, including the run blocking part of it and the play calling, is is something that I think they they need to figure that out. Talking about that, Dusty, I've heard this theory. I want to hear what you have to think. Is there anything to the play calling? creating an issue of not getting long runs. You know, in the passing game, you could choose to go deep or not. And sometimes it's the quarterback's choice to check down. The coaching staff, the offensive coordinator could design plays to try to go deep. Are there plays that are designed that are more likely to break a big play? And has this been a case where the offensive coordinator has not called that type of play? Well, and then this, the spinoff question is what, you know, what's to gain from, from doing that? You know, are, are they still holding a lot back? You know, I think that's a possibility. We haven't seen a lot of different stuff in this Penn, Penn State playbook. We haven't seen a lot of stuff that I think Drew Aller would be really good with. We haven't seen those patented uh, Nick Singleton bounce off the right side, bounce off the left side, beat everybody to the edge and, and, and outrun everybody through the secondary. We haven't seen that either. And, you know, I, I don't know that we've really seen aggressive play calling to, to make that happen more. So, you know, I think the play calling has been designed to do exactly what they've done so far. And they've taken what defenses have given them, and that's great. But I do think that there's more that they can pull back the curtain and, and reveal when they need to. Certainly, I don't think we're going to. I don't think we can expect that this weekend uh, against UMass. I think they they might be able to break some big runs just fine, continuing to do what they've been doing. But I think there is more to to unleash, and there's a bye week to really self scout and get into it. I would hope, and I would imagine, you're going to see some some chances for bigger runs here come coming up. Is there, Dusty, a relationship between them not going deep in the passing game and the lack of getting long runs? Is it a case where, gee, we don't have to have everyone playing so deep so they could sneak up, and that's not just about supporting the uh, you know defense against the short passing game, but it's also keeping them, keeping Penn State from getting those big runs? I, I think it's all connected. I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator, I mean, what 
what incentive do you have to not have your guys all near the line of scrimmage? You know, like the Penn state hasn't shown anything uh, to that. And, you know, I think they they've had defenses really trying to keep everything in front of them. And I think their desire, uh, James Franklin in particular, the desire to make sure you're not making the critical mistake in these games that you, you should be favored to win early on in the season. Those first five games, just make sure you're not making the critical mistake with your young quarterback and, and guide everything else around that. I think that's been guiding everything. And now, obviously, when you get into Michigan and Ohio State in particular, you have to have more risk to get more reward. You know, and, and what that looks like and, and how that looks like. I'm not talking about gadgets and tricks necessarily, but I'm talking about, you know, plays that that you take shots over the top. You take shots and, and let your guy try to make a 50-50 catch down the field. I mean, you're going to see more of that. And I think I do think that there's something to having more plays um, designed to get bigger results that Penn State hasn't, you know, quote unquote, spoiled or wasted yet. And Dusty, you know that I am a huge Trey Wallace guy. But remember also, Omari Evans has been out, who's considered that speedster and over the top. And Trey Wallace, I'm thinking more in terms of two things with him, not necessarily over the top, but 15, 20, 25 yards down the field, number one, and number two, taking some of the pressure off of Lambert Smith. Yeah, I I think, I mean, Lambert Smith, does. he's not really the guy to be the only guy. You know, I think I think he needs he needs a running partner as much as anybody. You know, he's not that dominator that that can take double coverage or whatever and, and still make plays through it. He needs he needs a bit more support than what he's gotten so far. Um, and Trey Wallace, I mean, not only you know what you're describing in that intermediate part of the field, but you know he looks like he can be a really reliable set of hands, a pretty big frame. Uh, to to kind of make those t- those tough catches over the middle, you know, I think you can definitely say that Penn State has missed that part of it too. But you know, certainly, I think um, defenses haven't had to respect the deep ball, and they haven't had to have you know pay too much respect to anybody besides Keandre Lambert Smith as far as those wide receivers go. Yeah, and that's why I think that Trey Wallace will be a big part of the change. The other you know negative that we had going on is if you look at Drew Aller's uh, stats at home versus the road, I believe when I last saw it, it was over. he was completing over 70% of his passes on the road, just over 50%, uh, 70% some at right. home, oh, around 50 on the road. Guess what? That next first huge game is on the road against Ohio State. Are there things that you could do other than just experience for him to help him that way? Well, I think experience goes a long way because I think the last time we talked about Drew in the in the you know aftermath of the Northwestern game was you know it, it just looked like he was far more hesitant and less confident in the way that he was delivering passes. You know, I think he, I think he really you know, had a lot of confidence in what he was seeing, what he was reading and how he was delivering the ball to guys at home. And it looked like he just didn't have the same sort of um, sure thinking uh, on the road in those games. So I think that I think there's definitely something to that. But experience can go a long way. And I think, you know, 
tone setting type plays. And then you can go one way or the other. You can say, Hey, get drew a bunch of easy throws early. Uh, I don't know if Penn State's really guilty of not getting him easy throws because they haven't really asked him to make a lot of challenging throws, which is kind of his specialty when you think about it. Uh, but may, you know, maybe you get him on track a different way. Maybe you take a shot or something against uh, a, a good team like Ohio State early to, to get him feeling it a little bit. But he's got a, you know, I, I think both the games that he didn't really show up right away. Uh, so to speak, we're both 11 a.m. local kicks with light crowds uh, against teams that, you know, Penn State should be. Well, I'll also go back a little bit to the negatives, Dusty, that they do need to clean up is we talked in terms of the positive being to do handle these long drives. But remember, when they struggled, especially against Illinois, drop passes and penalties. And they were drive stoppers, the, yep. those kind of things. And the other thing, and uh, Mike Yersich conceded, got to clean this up, is these last couple games seeing the quarterback and receiver not on the same page. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think having a new quarterback and having guys who are all kind of in unfamiliar territory or uncomfortable territory – um, like, I don't know how, how you feel about this. Uh, my guy, Dave Jones at Penn live, I did a podcast with him and he's just, he's adamant that Keandre Lambert Smith is a number two wide receiver. And it's like, I don't know if I can fully disagree with that. Like, I don't know if he's a, a number one true blue wide receiver. So you start there and then no Trey Wallace, you didn't have a guy emerge as your surefire number three. And now you're having that same group of players contend to be your, your second option. All of them are out of their element a little bit. You know, these guys fighting for number three, like none of them have proven to be a number three. Now you're asking them to be, so the, the pecking order, they, they just haven't been ready for any injury really to start the year. Uh, so I think may, maybe that can get better a little bit, but I, it, it is all that contributes. To, it has to, to, to the lack of rhythm in those, those plays where you're on two different wavelengths. The idea of, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith being a number one or a number two, let's call him a one and a half. All right, Dusty. Yeah. Which is okay. If you have, a, if you have a deep group, you know, if I, it's, it's like a pitching rotation. If I don't have an ace, but I have several number twos, I'll go with that. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be happy. But when Trey Wallace was out, the expectation or the hope, I believe, was how about Malik McClain? How about Dante Cephas? Yeah. Where you, if you lose Wallace and Omari Evans and those other two underperform, I think among the those four guys have all been, it's hard to call a guy a disappointment when they're injured, but we haven't gotten from them what we had hoped from all four of them. Well, and let me just ask you this as we're on the subject. Are you glass half full, glass half empty about the short and long-term development at wide receiver? Um, I think I'm actually still glass half full because I do think a lot of Trey Wallace. I think they think a lot of Omari Evans to burn yeah. his red shirt last year. There's ability there. All, and all, I, yeah, all through those guys. And I'm even, you know, perhaps the last guy that says, you know, Malik McClain, I think, could still be a player. I'm, you know, I, I keep giving the example. If we had felt a couple drop passes and you're out, you know, Mike Gazicki would have been done after a year or two, wouldn't he? Fair. All right, yeah. Dusty, let's call that a wrap on the offense. Quarter three, let's start talking about the defense. Stay tuned for that. 
Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty, I'm Jim. We're doing our kind of mid-season look ahead, look back, look ahead with the team, see where they are. What we liked, what we didn't like in the first half of the year, where we see as areas to improve. Uh, we were looking at the offense the first couple segments, Dusty. Unless you have something to add to the offensive talk, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what have you seen so far? A lot more, I think, to like on that side of the ball. My, I mean, my number one question about the defense is where this group is going to rank as one of the best in Penn State history. I don't know what it's going to take statistically. Like, I don't know how it stacks up in terms of like NFL talent and having, you know, all conference, all America type picks on this defense. I think you're going to have that. Um, but I, I think it's one of the, it's one of the best, most talented defenses that Penn State has ever had. I'm not talking about just under James Franklin. I don't, you know, I, I didn't experience some of those great teams, you know, 50 years ago uh, firsthand. So I, I could just be not holding some of those groups in high enough regard. I respect that. But, you know, you think about any way you can judge a defense, points, passing, rushing, uh, takeaways, sacks, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, depth, talent, like, this, this is one of the best, and I, I think that's how I'm going to be watching this defense the rest of the way is like, okay, how high can it go in terms of, you know, national ranking, national, you know, ranking among the best defenses in the country? Maybe it has a chance to be the best. And then also against, you know, some really, really good defenses in the history of Penn State football. Like, I think that it's that caliber of group. I think it is also, Dusty, and I am someone who goes all the way back to some of those teams, but you got to remember it was a much different game. How offensive plays 
played at the time. Think Iowa, you know? Yeah. Where you – it was run, run, pass, punt. You built yourself around, you know, the halfback. The quarterback was a game manager at Penn State, and that mm-hmm. was okay. Your defense would win the game for you. Now, for this team and how it's going to be judged, it's how the defense is going to be judged, I think, how the same way the whole team is going to be judged, which is how will they perform against Michigan and Ohio State. Now, if they end up losing those games 17-14, I don't think you will damage the reputation of the defense, but it is going to be how they perform. And if you end up, you know, kind of reversing those scores and Penn State wins that kind of game, or you have a game where you keep Ohio State or Michigan under 20 points. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, it has to be done, you know, like all, all those things, like it's, you know, what Penn State has done so far, any way you look at it, uh, doesn't mean a whole lot versus what you expect this group can do. You know, what they've done so far, I think, I think they've kind of stayed on course uh, to, 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 to keep those things in play. But at the end of it, I mean, you have to defensively in particular, you have to get Michigan off schedule and they're hard to get off schedule. Uh, they're believers in what they do. And Penn State did not do a good job of that last year. So keeping Michigan off schedule is now a two-part task. I mean, you are trying to stop that running game behind a really mean, um, you know, pro-bound group of offensive linemen across the board uh, who, who, who thrive blocking the way that Michigan's asking them to block. Uh, you're you're going to have to beat that group up front. You're going to have to slow down a one-two punch at running back. And then you have a running quarterback who's also very accurate and is far from a liability in the passing game. You haven't seen anybody like that so far. So those are challenges against Michigan. And then it's uh, against Ohio State. It's a- almost completely different in that the biggest concern is how, how much talent and how much ability they have at wide receiver. So now it's like your secondaries on the spot. Like, okay, Kalen King, it's time to show up and it's time to, to take Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and hold him to what you need to hold him to. It's, it's time for Johnny Dixon to, you know, Egbuka. Uh, so it's, it's on the secondary. So you have two very different challenges uh, in the future. And then I think for Manny Diaz, like he, he had some regrets about how Michigan went last year and how, uh, they kind of got out coached. Now you gotta, you gotta spin that around. You gotta do a good job. So, uh, Penn State season as a whole boils down to those two games. And I think the defense's reputation, as you said, kind of boils down to those two games too. It really does. And, but if we look at what we've seen so far, Dusty, in judging this team, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, but the sum of the parts though is really, really good. Yeah. And as I said earlier in the year, it feels like the color announcer in doing a Penn State game is contractually obligated to say that Penn State has a star on defense on every level. And they're talking yeah. like Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter, Kalen King. But what needs to be pointed out is how deep they are. You know, you could mention Chop Robinson. You know, that's at the detriment of Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton. And even like Zane Durant on the yeah. line, and I can do that at every level, right? And 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 it's the depth that makes all this work even better. Like I know it was the Iowa game, and that was a weird game, and they only had what thirty 
35 offensive plays or 33 offensive plays, whatever that number was. But it's crazy to me the 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 few snaps uh, comparatively Penn State starters on defense have played so far. You know, and a lot of that are, are games that are out of reach, and they go they go to the second and third team. That that's great, but uh, it's it's always been James Franklin's philosophy to churn through guys and, and play a lot of people on defense because you know in the fourth quarter, as the season wears on, the the fresher you can keep your stars, the better off you are. The the fresher you can keep them for the real key, true uh, game defining moments late that we're going to probably see against Michigan and Ohio state, the better off you are. And they, they have a lot of, of depth that is very talented depth. And there's a lot of incentive on both sides, but especially on defense to, to play those guys and uh, allows them to develop behind the scenes. So they're ready for bigger roles, whether that's in the second half of the year, like imagine if there's a, a, a injury at linebacker, for example, and Tony Rojas is now asked to do more. Uh, he'll be more comfortable with that because he's seen all that action so far. So yeah, the the depth makes the talent even better, especially in key moments. And Dusty, you know, I'll bring up some mo- more individual names. You want to talk about Abdul Carter, obviously at linebacker, but next up, they'll hey, don't forget about Curtis Jacobs. I'm going to mention though, you know, Kobe King and Dom DeLuca. Yeah. You know, how far down the pecking order are we going? And we're still saying those are players. Yeah. Kalen King at cornerback. Yeah, but don't forget Johnny Dixon. You know, that's the next name up. I'll tell you, don't forget Daquan Hardy, though. Right. He's playing right. really, really well this year. So to me, even though, you know, they have stars at every level and we need to talk about that, to me, what's amazing is the number of upcoming stars. And we may not have even hit my favorite guy among the group might be KJ Winston. Yeah. And and you see KJ Winston getting better and you see Zane Durant getting better and deny Dennis Sutton getting better. So there's that part. And Kobe King, Kobe King uh, has looked really good and he's surging and improving. So, yeah, I mean, all, all these players are either prime time or making huge contributions or they're hugely talented. I mean, there's, you know, there is a good solid, what, 18, 19 game, got, you know, names on defense that you're like, that guy can make a difference if he's given the opportunity. So the defense is deep. Uh, Manny Diaz pulls a lot of the right strings. Uh, he lets, you know, he, he, he covets that pressure and the pressure that's created plays really well together with, with cornerbacks who can hold and be sticky in coverage. You know, all three names you mentioned, Dixon, Hardy, uh, and Kalen King. So the, the groups that they have and the, and the dynamics and the strengths, they work together to form this, this group that's been really tough to beat. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Michigan and Ohio state and the challenges that they present, but th- this is a defense that athletically and talent wise can, can stack up against just about anybody. And I think, uh, you're going to see that over the next like one, two, three NFL drafts. You're going to see a lot of players who are in some spot on this Penn State, Penn State depth chart going in the first three or four rounds of the draft, I think. I, I think you will. That leads us with the question, Dusty. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, what are your concerns? What do they need to fix? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to slow down a dual threat passer, but you've seen some of these guys that that have good running ability make some difference with with their legs, and you have seen, you know, some lapses in tackling. I think for the most part, 
Tackling has been clean, but you 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 saw some some tough displays of tackling. Uh, Northwestern, their their one scoring drive that was a, a tough display of tackling. So making sure that that never takes a playoff because you know as you see Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, you know you're you're gonna you're gonna be tested in that way. You can't miss a tackle because you miss one tackle against guys like that, against groups like that, you can give up a big play easily. So I think that that tacking ability hasn't been hugely detrimental, but you have to make sure that doesn't take any breaks going forward. Uh, still got to answer the question about Michigan and, and their run game and what they did last year, what they're capable of doing. Uh, and then for Ohio state, like I said, the wide receivers going toe to toe with them in that passing game, uh, you know, you haven't really been challenged uh, down the field very much, but I think JJ McCarthy and I think uh, the Ohio state passing attack can, can do that in new ways. And dusty, I think, and I could bring in both coordinators on this too. I think there's pressure on both of them for Manny Diaz. It's based on what happened against Michigan last year. Yeah. Despite what James Franklin said right after the game about getting bigger, Manny Diaz was outcoached in that one game. No yes. doubt. Yeah. So he's got to own that. I mean, he's he's a pre. He can't be in his line of work and not be a very prideful guy. So I'm sure he's a very proud individual who never wants to see that happen again and wants to take the opportunity and show what this Penn State defense is all about. And I think if if they're geared up and they're playing at their best, and Manny Diaz uh, is, is is hanging in there in that in the coaching battle. Penn State's got a shot, a good shot against Michigan. They have to take control early, offensively and or defensively, and not let the wheels get off the track as early as they did last year. I mean, this, this, Penn State was going in reverse early last year. You can't do that against Michigan. you got to deliver a strike early against that team. You really do, Dusty. And and we'll talk about this more in the fourth quarter, is I also think there's pressure on Mike Yursich. I think he's held a lot back. You know, I, we haven't seen everything. And – He's got to react to how the team has played so far. Yes, it's the big plays, but it's also when you start hearing things like the quarterback and wide receiver are not on the same page. You, Yes, you can point at the players, but only so far. At what point do you have to go to the coach and say, coach, you didn't do your job here. And I think that's what's going to happen for Mike Yursich. Dustin, we're going to ask those questions in the fourth quarter. Stay tuned for that. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. 
Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Yeah. Got lost. Hey. I had so many deep thoughts, Dusty. I, you know, I got knocked off that, the track that, of the most obvious stuff. That high power machinery up top in your brain. <laughs> it's we're so far down the line for this show. Like it's starting to overheat a little bit. <laughs> that's exactly it. That voice you hear, that's Dusty. Um, <laughs> Jim, we are at the, essentially the halfway point of the Penn State season. We're looking back on things. We're looking forward. And Dusty, looking forward, you have to be talking about Michigan and Ohio State. Ohio State, I should name first. They're they're up in two weeks, less than two weeks now. So that's that's really exciting. But we, off air, we were having this conversation about what it will take to win those games. What are the things they're going to need? You were talking a bit about the defense creating a play, creating the turnover. Here's my concern going into those games, and this is the deep thought that I had that just like threw me off track, is we see these games, even the Iowa game, where Penn State pretty much dominated the game, had those long drives, they had that slow start. And Iowa looked like, you know, their their defense was in control of Penn State's offense. And you have those three and outs, I think you can't have that against Michigan or Ohio State. I think the offense has to establish early. And I I don't think you could necessarily beat those teams by saying, you know what, I need to establish the run and I'm going to keep pounding away at it three and four yards at a time and get away with it because my defense is so good, we'll keep getting the ball back and trying that over and over again. I think against the big teams, you better come out firing. You better come out, even if you're not going to score, you better get a couple first downs. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like the, the defense allows you to do a lot of things and it affords you some margin for error. It affords you the the margin to get off to a slow start and, and that not cripple you. Um, but the question is, you know, how fair – Will it be to continue to ask that to make that? I just think I, you don't want it to be the identity of your team is that your defense is always going to be uh, a group that can bail you out. It's great to have that, but you would also love to not require that in, in games, especially the ones like they've got coming up. And yeah, I think you know experiencing some level of success early offensively is, is going to be important. And I would say it's probably more important in my eyes against Michigan than it is Ohio State even. You know, the, the more that, that Michigan can start rolling downhill and start seizing the game, you know, I think it sets a certain tone if they go for 19 plays and 80 yards and they just run and run and run and run and stay on schedule. You know, you have to disrupt that some way or another. And that's creating third and longs. You know, that's hope maybe maybe they, they get a penalty and create a third and long along the way. They can help you with that. But 
Um, you also have to not uh, offensively allow them to be in that position. That's exactly what they want is to be able to get on track. And so if, if, if that, I think it means experiencing some success early, or if Michigan does that, you have to seize some momentum back. You can't allow momentum to start to snowball early against that Michigan team in particular because they play so different than everybody else. Um, and I think with Ohio State, I mean, typically, like, yeah, you haven't seen that group really put it together offensively yet. Uh, there's talent there. You know, you have some doubts about whether the quarterback is the guy, but the longer they go, the more likely they are to do it. You can't go into that game assuming uh, anything but we're going to need to at least score 30 to win this game. You know, like I think even a, even a good defensive performance can still give up 30 to Ohio State. With that in mind, with those two games, Dusty, is this ball control type offense, long drives, is is that a winning formula? I don't think it is against them. And, and the reason really is, I mean, the more talented the defense you're playing, the more likely they, they are to have something happen that throws you into unfavorable situations. The odds of facing a third and long against Michigan are really good. You know, you there are really strong odds that you're going to face a third and long and have to execute against them. So the point is, even a five-yard penalty, a, a drop pass. I mean, it means so much more when you know there's not a lot of room there. There's not a large, lot of margin for error. It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard work to go 13, 14, 15 plays against that group because they're so fast, because they're so talented. You know, and I think Ohio State's the same way. It can work for you, but I don't really expect that to be a 60-minute successful formula against those teams because they're so talented. All right, Dusty, how about up front? The offensive line, I'm still not sure if they are good or not. And I'm going to throw in the defensive tackles. Are they good enough? And is this offensive line good enough when you're playing the big boys? Well, I mean, the offensive line, you just, I don't really hold them in the same regard as, as far as being that big, nasty group of like what Michigan does every single year. Ohio State's offensive line has faced questions like that since they've lost to Michigan two years in a row. Are they big and nasty enough to really do the job against them? So yeah, you're going to have to prove that. Um, I think at this point, relative to what expectations were, I feel like Penn State has been upper league average as far as the offensive line goes. Uh, not the not the dominating group, not the, not creating the running lanes that I thought would be would be regular um, so far. Def- on the defensive side, though, with the tackles, I mean, I think the tackles have performed at a higher level than I was expecting to start the year. Like I think Zane Durant coming into his own is, is a big big deal. Uh, Kaziah Izzard, you know, the fact that he missed some time and, and, and he came, like you can feel his presence now too. And he looks like a, a formidable guy, like a big, strong, athletic, physical guy. So the the emergence of those two guys, I, I wouldn't say it erases concern, but I think Penn State is playing uh, better at defensive tackle than, than I thought they would. Would you agree with that as far as you expected to? Yes. Yes. I think, I think so. And it, the numbers bear that out. Yeah, You know, the numbers for rushing against are very good, and you're starting to see them make some splash plays like Zane Durant and Izzard that you mentioned. So you're, you're seeing those things. My concern is I'm not concerned about the defense. I think they're up for it. They've got the talent. I think they've got the right coordinator and all that. My issue will be have we been watching this 
the whole time, well, we're going to establish the run. We're going to have these 12, 15 play drives, grind it out. I think to beat those two teams, Dusty, Michigan, and Ohio State, I think you might need to pass the ball to first, establish that you're willing to throw the ball to then open up the running lanes versus the other way around. Well, I mean, especially when you put in, you know, how the first five games have gone and what the film reveals about this team right off the bat. I mean, that that's going to be the starting point. Um, So, yeah, I think you need to make some things happen down the field uh, for a number of reasons. You need chunk plays because I don't think you're going to sustain those drives well enough to score 30 points against Michigan or Ohio state. If you're trying to, to play that game, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to keep pace with either one of them. Um, so there's that. And there's also, you know, make them respect the deep ball. Like I think drew Aller, he's gotta be able to throw it. Uh, I, I get, you know, you're not, you're not really in a great spot at wide receiver. So do you have guys who are capable of getting loose down the field? Is that, is that a question mark that's going to continue? Uh, that's a fair question, but I think Drowler can make those throws and you got to give him a chance. And uh, we haven't really, he wasn't asked to do that really since West Virginia. So you have that aggressive, you know, kind of pressure defense from West Virginia and Drew Aller shined against that. Um, now, you know, you've seen all this conservative stuff, uh, and, and you've asked him to not really take shots down the field. So yeah, you need to, you need to clear things out one way or the other, whether that the run sets up the pass. I do agree with you though. You're more likely to have success if that Pat, if the deep ball can open up the, the run game. And I do feel, and I wasn't even thinking that you have to throw it over the top. I wouldn't mind seeing some of that. I think it will be helpful, Yeah, but could we please on first down throw the ball 10 or 15 yards down the field? I'd even be happy with, you know, eight yards down the field and have a second and two. And all of a sudden it's a lot easier to run the ball on second and two than it is on first and 10 dusty. Yeah. And I I think, you know, may you, it's very possible to me, you know, that you've seen five games of tendency builders for a very purposeful reason. You've you've wanted to establish these tendencies. Uh, and, and I think it gives you more room to defy tendencies later on. I think that can be a valuable tool. Um, but it, it also doesn't make you feel all that confident if you haven't seen the things that maybe they're holding back or they're they're hiding. You know, maybe if they're holding back some of the stuff that can create more explosive plays it's not a guarantee that you can just roll those out now and say, surprise, we, we're better than you thought we were. True. And I think some of it might be just the order in how you call these plays. If you're calling a play, you know, to pass the ball down the field when it's third and 12, that's much different than on first down. And that's what I keep harping on. I think of, you know, some coach many years ago I saw on TV say, first down is the easiest down to throw the ball. And that's been in my head for all these years, Dusty, cluttering things up. You know, what's interesting. Like, I, I think the first down throw gives you some unpredictability and gives you some explosion that they haven't had yet. So I agree with that. But it's almost like, OK, the first down throw doesn't work. You throw it incomplete. Uh, not the second down and 10 is an ideal position. But now that's a down where it's a little murky whether you can or you want to run it or not. So it almost creates like being aggressive on first down. It plants that seed of doubt, but it also gives you, 
you know, you can run against their expectations too. And you got good enough backs and you should have good enough blocking that if you run against expectation, even though it's a second and long, that you could maybe have some success on that front too, because it's not expected. The problem, Dusty, and you're, you're hitting a sensitive topic for me on that second down call oh, after okay. completion. Yep. Years ago, and this was the Joe Paterno offense, there was a game 10 times in a row when there was an incompletion on first down. 10 times in a row, they called the draw play on second down. 10 wow. times in a row. And, yep. you know, and I think that's one of those things that can turn into a tendency, okay? Yeah. Even though you're calling, oh, it's a surprise that you're yeah. now running the ball on second and 10. Nah, when you do but, it that many times in but a row. Now, but now it's like, maybe you can catch them to say like, there's no way they'll do it 11 times in a row. Gotcha. <laughs> well, <laughs> to, to follow through on the story, since I'm this far down, the 11th time quarterback went under center, looked up at the defensive formation and called the timeout. Yeah. Because he knew Get me off the field. It was going to be the same call. After the timeout, they came out and threw the ball. Okay. Imagine that. Yes. Cra- craziest thing. All right, Dusty. I filibustered with too many stories today. Unfortunately, we are <laughs> out of time. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us again next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right, Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their Lion's Den, which is the closest single-game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium. You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.